And uh, got your Bibles? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It is a delight to be here today at New Grace Baptist Church to see what God has done has blended two churches into one. I've always wanted to do that, and I've seen God do it. I've, uh, last church that I pastored, we had to rebirth the church. Our church had been split where I went to more than you can ever imagine, and God brought healing to that in giving birth again. And if I had sneezed wrong in the first year, there would not have been a church because everyone was hurt and emotions were afraid. And here I am, and I've been going through some crises in my life trying to learn who I am really in Christ. You know, so many of us in our lives believe that Christianity is about a system. It's about what don't do's and all of this. I've learned that Christianity is about a relationship to the living God in heaven and about my Savior and what He's done. And my performance, my friends, doesn't have anything to do with my acceptance in the family. We have three children. You know what I've told my kids? I love you. There's never a time that I will not love you. You're always mine. You have a home to come to. But also, I'll tell you this. I learned something. Just because I always have unconditional love for you, you always don't have my pleasure. And you know, and God says the same thing in the book of Hebrews. We're entering into Thanksgiving season today. And you know something? There's some commands that we have in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to read just a few verses and look upon... This, the thanksgiving right today, or giving thanks. In Ephesians chapter 5, and Pastor Sean, thank you for the joy of being here. I want to say this. I have thoroughly enjoyed every time I've come to hear you speak. You skillfully divide the Word of God, and you do an excellent job, and I'm very pleased to say that, and I have been fed every time. Thank you, dear brother. And it takes time, and I want to tell you, you encourage your pastor, and encourage your pastor's wife. It's, uh, it's, it's a rewarding job, and it's a lonely job. And you've got your Bibles now, and I don't have it turned there, but I will in Ephesians 5. Look at this in beginning in verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now watch this. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. For all things. When is the last time, and we will pray, that in the midst of all your trials and great needs and tragedy has happened, did you stop and just give thanks? So let's pray today that God will focus our minds upon Him today. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word that is rich and powerful and life-changing. And Lord, You're a God that is worthy of our praise. And as we sang the songs a few moments ago, Lord, if we would take the thoughts that you have about us, all the books of the world could not contain it. But, Father, yet on the other hand, that our praise and adoration should be to you and thanksgiving, Father, for all the things. Even in the midst of trials, Lord, you have not found to slumber nor sleep. You're still upon your magic thro mag majestic throne, Lord, and you're ru ruling and governing in our lives. Speak to our hearts. Bring us to a deeper relationship to you and those who do not have a relationship to Christ. We pray for you to draw them to the cross and our Savior this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If I would ask you this morning, what do you believe the most difficult command in the Bible is? Well, one of you or some of you would say, well, you know, it's not to worry. Especially if you're a worry wart, I can understand it. Another one is, is be careful for nothing or fret not thyself. But I think one of the most difficult commands in the Bible 
is the command of always giving thanks. And that's not easy. In fact, it's impossible apart from God giving thanks for all things, not for some things. So this morning, let's talk about giving thanks. In just four days from now, we will be celebrating in our country Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day was not given by President Abraham Lincoln so much as a feast day as it was today to stop and give thanks to our benevolent Creator for what He has done. If there was ever a turbulent time in the history of the United States, it was during the Civil War. I have stood on the battlefields of Manassas, Virginia, and I have stood at Antietam, where we had more casualties in one day than in any battle of the history of the United States, and wept like a baby, understanding that brother fought against brother, and family against family, and men died here for a nation that was torn apart, and through God's wonderful hand and our president during that time had called a day of giving thanks that we would come together as one. You know, there are four levels in life. There's the first level, and I call it the bottom level of life. God pity their poor soul. It's the folks who complain about everything. And you know, they come constant complaining. I don't know about you, but somehow I would like to take those people and put them all together and quarantine them and put an island by, by themselves and let them fret and let them complain to one another and so they can fill each other's cup up of all the complaining. Instead of being humbly grateful, they are grumpful, grumbly hateful. They never, ever think. And that's the lowest level of life is complaining. Then there's a second level, and it's not much above that, but it's the level of ingratitude. These people are not always complaining, but neither are they thankful. They are stoic. They live through life. They somehow fail to see the goodness of God. They fail to thank God, maybe not always complaining, but they're just a notch above it. Then there's the third level. It's a person who is grateful for some things. When things are going good and when God is blessing, when the sun is shining, all of a sudden he will just say, thank you, Jesus. It reminds me of the NFL player. And by the way, I don't watch any NFL football today. If they can't stop and just give an honest pledge to allegiance as we were taught, I'm not going to worry. Listen, they're not worthy of me watching them. Amen. Now, I don't care how you feel about that, but it don't bother me a lot. I live in America, and I am an American. I pledge allegiance. I was taught that, and I believe if you're in Nigeria, you give the pledge, and you're loyal to the country that you live in. But anyway, here's a guy that he just fouled up on a play, and you hear him, and he is cursing a blue streak. And the next play, the quarterback throws the ball to the receiver, and he runs across and gets a touchdown, and all of a sudden he's doing his Catholic thing and saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Little good of ingratitude when things are obviously going good. But there is a fourth level of life, and that is giving thanks for all things. That's the highest level of life. A little boy was asked to define salt, and I love his definition. Salt is what always spoils the potatoes when it's left out. And I like to say that gratitude is that which always spoils life when it is left out. Ungrateful people are unhappy people. Think about that. People who have not learned to thank God are people who are filled with bitterness. They are filled with fear. 
They are filled with negativism. They are filled with selfishness. They are filled with self-pity. And I want us to look at Ephesians 5.22 and just give you three things. Now listen, all of you that are Bible teachers and preachers, listen to me. We may have a seven-point sermon, but I'm telling you something. Honey, your people are only going to remember one or two things. Give one or two points and leave it at that. Because you know what? We that are over 65, now listen to this, Sean. Wait till you get here. When you're 64 and you go to the doctor, they never ask this question. But the day you turn 65, you go to your cardiologist, you go to your gastroenterologist, you go to your neurologist, you go to your regular GP, I don't care who it is. The first question they ask you, have you fallen in the last year? What's the difference between 65 and 64? I'm one year older, one day later. And now every doctor, every time, first question they ask. Have you fallen during the last year? I haven't fallen. And then they'll begin to say, Now Larry, I want you to listen to me closely. I'm going to give you three words. Now I want you to listen to them. And later on, I want you to repeat them. What are you laughing about, Sue? <laughs> the word is blue. You got that? Blue. Blue. Got it. Next word is cardinal. Oh, got it. Cardinal. And the next word is green. And by the way, how you been doing? Been doing fine? What is you taking your medication and all this? And about 10 minutes later, they say, can you tell me those three words I just tell you? Listen, ain't nobody with a sound mind can tell you all three words. And they think all of a sudden you might have a touch of Alzheimer's. Don't we all have it? Amen. If we didn't, why wouldn't we all make A's on our test? Amen. Let me give you number one, three points, and we'll go home. I want you to talk about the seasons of being thankful. When should we give thanks? The Bible says in all things. Not some things, all things. In the seasons out, the seasons when it is in. We in America have a day of thanksgiving, but that's not sufficient. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with His benefits. My friend, there is not a day goes by that God does not bless us. Even the God of our salvation. My oldest grandson, Brandon, I love to talk to him. He challenges me theologically like nobody has ever done before. I said, Brandon, think what Lamentations 3.23 says. This is exciting, son. Every morning, every day that I get up, the mercies of God are new. His storehouse never runs out, Brandon. What he did yesterday is not sufficient for today. And I come back tomorrow because he is my father. He's got new mercies today. And the next day I come to him, he's got new mercies. And the next day I come to God, he's got new mercies. And they never run out and they never get old. That's the God that I serve. And you know what, Brandon? I am to praise him and thank him every day of my life. Isn't it great when you get up? You never listen. I get up and I ask B, how are you doing today? Now, you that have been married long enough, you need to know whether your wife's a morning person or a night person. My wife is not a morning person. She's got to have coffee in the morning. I need to have somehow an IV run from the coffee pot to her veins. Amen. And then give her that coffee. And she's all right after that. And you know what? You and I asked her, how are you doing? Never, ever do I have to get him to say, good morning, God, how are you today? Well, let me tell you something. He never changes. God is never moody. There's never a time that God does not love us. 
So His mercies are every day, moment by moment, 24 hours, 60 minutes in a day, in an hour that is. We are to be thanking God. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. Do you know what we ought to do with a lot of our prayers? We ought to be pulling out some of those grumblings we have. We need to pull out of some of those gimme, 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 gimme's. And we ought to just come to Him and praise Him and love Him and adore Him and tell Him so much why that we love Him. Why do you say that, Brother Larry? Because God inhabits the praise of His children. Tell Him how much you love Him, regardless of what the situation is going along and going on. And everything, the Bible says, by prayer and supplication, let your thanksgivings be known unto God. Listen, why should God do anything for me today when I haven't thanked Him for what He's already done? Amen? Think of this. Many of you, you don't know my story. I should not even be alive. Not because of sicknesses I have now. I'm talking about I was born... Ten weeks early in 1951, and there was no such thing as needle-natal care. It was called God care. My brother Rogers told me and when I was 65th birthday, he said there is no physical apparent reason you and Linda, we were twins, should ever live except God had ordained it. My friends, every day that I live, every moment that I live, it is a gift from God. And every moment that you live and everything that you're doing, it's a gift from God and we need to stop and praise Him. Let me throw you something else in here as well. Did you realize that God made you just like you are? And you know what He did? He said, boy, you're so special. I don't want nobody else like you. There will never ever be. There never has been. And you're special. You're created in my image. And I made you just like you are because you are unique. And no one will ever be like you. They might look like you. They might talk like you. But they are not you. Your relationship to me is special. And I made you for my glory. Listen, I love when the Pentecostal said, give him a little praise, amen. We all do. Nothing wrong with that. If you're not used to it here, you will be up there, amen. amen. <laughs> the seasons of Thanksgiving, real quickly, as always. Number two, we'll move on. The scope of Thanksgiving in all things. So what are we to thank him for? We're to thank him for everything, for spiritual things. How many of you here remember when the tax collector used to come by? You mean you don't remember those days? When I was a little boy, I remember the tax collector would come by, and we would be helping Daddy, and we had about four or five dogs. And Daddy said, now, boys, you put all but one dog up. You leave Lassie out, but you put him other dogs up because I don't want to pay taxes on them other dogs. And I remember the tax collector come by, and he would say, now, Mr. Henderson, tell me what you have so we, you can pay taxes on it. Well, the tax collector came by a poor man and asked him, said, sir, can you tell me what you have? that uh, we can write down and pay taxes on. He said, well, first, I have everlasting life in John 3, 16. I have a mansion in heaven, John 14, 2. I have peace that passeth understandings, Philippians <coughs> 4, verse 7. I have a divine love that never fails, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. I have joy unspeakable and full of glory, 1 Peter 1, 8. I have a faithful wife, Proverbs 13.10. I have healthy, happy, obedient children, Exodus 20.12. I have true, loyal friends, Proverbs 18.24. I have a crown of life, 
James chapter 1, verse 2. I have a Savior in heaven, Jesus Christ, who supplies all of my needs. Philippians 4, 19. The tax collector closed his book. He said, you are indeed a wealthy man, but I cannot collect taxes on any of those things. Oh, listen to me. Have you ever thanked God for things such as that? Thank God for spiritual things. Then thank God for simple things. You say, I don't have much to be thankful for. Well, okay, I want you to do something. Listen to me closely. When you leave this auditorium this morning, go by the water fountain and get you a sip of water. Mm-hmm. Let me share with you some statistics. Did you know that India is the second most populous country in the world with over a billion people? Did you know that 75 to 80% of the people of India do not have sufficient or clean water to drink? Did you realize that 3.4 million people in the world die from water-related diseases? That every day, 4,000 children die of results of diseases caused by indigestion of filthy water. At any given time, close to half the population of the developed world is suffering from waterborne diseases associated with inadequate provision for water and sanitation. It goes on, it says, cholera, typhoid fever, hepatitis A are all caused by bacteria, and most of them common diarrhea diseases. Other illnesses such as dysentery are caused by parasites that live in water contamination by feces of sick individuals. Go with me to Panama. Half of the, uh, and the Waimee Indians live in the mountains. 35%, listen to this, 35% of the children of the Waimee Indians will never live to see three years of age. Staying in the pastor's house, the city gets their water supply directly out of the river. It comes in, no filtration. No chlorine added. No iodized light or nothing else. When you're taking a shower, you don't lift your lips. You make sure you keep your mouth shut. Because where the water comes from in the river is where the ladies wash their clothes. It's where the animals walk in to get water and defecate in the water. It is where they change the baby's diapers. It is where they defecate in the water. And it is out of that water, out of the river, where they get the water to drink with. If you drank the water, I want to know what day we're going to have your funeral. I was in Mexico recently, and I've learned this. You don't drink the water. First day, you'll be all right. Drink the water. Second day, you get Montezuma's revenge. Third day, you feel like you're going to die. The fourth day, you pray to God, you will die. Amen. That's how bad it is. You think, well, I don't have much to be thankful for. We in America believe that everybody in the world is just like us. We can go to the faucet, turn the water on, put a glass in, drink the water, we're perfectly all right. Did you realize that 75% of the world does not have safe, clear water to drink? And we take that all for granted. Do you ever thank God for dirty dishes? Dirty dishes, I have to wash them all the time. Mama tells me I've washed it. I hate washing dirty dishes. I don't like them. You ask me, I'm going to tell you something about it. There's not going to be a dirty dish in my house. When I cook, I clean when I cook. 
And when we get through eating, if I see dirty dishes, they're going to be washed or they're going to be put, cleaned off, put in the dishwasher. By the way, most of the dishes go in our dishwasher clean enough to eat off anyway because I've already cleaned them before I put them in there. Dirty dishes. You know what dirty dishes means? Thank God I have sat down and ate a meal. After Thanksgiving, go to your house, and there will be your kitchen and around your water, around your sink, and the countertops and on the table, dirty dishes, pots and pans. And you know what to say? You ought to have a praise meeting thanking God He has provided for your Thanksgiving meal. Listen, thank God for simple things, dirty dishes. You say, I never thought of that. Thank God for those things. Thank God for special things. You are not where you're at because of yourself. There was a man who came back from Africa. I became attached to him like a tick on a dog. He spoke 364 times one year around the country. He was one of the most spirit-filled, unique, godless men I ever met in my life. There was something about him, Sean, when I looked at him. God was all over him, and I hadn't seen that in nobody else in my life. And he had something I wanted, and I know I didn't have. And you know something? He poured his life into me. I am where I am at today not because of my smartness, not because of my abilities, it's because other people invested their lives into Larry Henderson. And you, my friend, if you are in leadership, if you're leading someone or you've got a job that's got importance to it, you are there because of someone else. Dr. Stinger said that he decided one day that he was sitting down and he was reading and he said all of a sudden it came across of his mind about that teacher he had in elementary school that gave him a love for literature and love for reading. He said, so I sat down and began to write her a letter thanking her for what she instilled into my life as a little boy. He said, I got a letter back from her and the letter began like this, Dear Willie, he said, nobody, I mean nobody calls me Willie. I am the man now who has the earned Ph.D. My name is Will. But she remembers him as a little lad sitting in her class as Willie. I love it. My dear Willie, I cannot tell you how much your letter has meant to me. I'm now in my 80s living alone in a small room cooking my own meals. Lonely like the last leaf of autumn lingering around. You will be interested to know that I taught school for 50 years, and yours is the first note of appreciation I have ever received. It came on a blue, cold morning, and it cheered me as nothing else has in years. Stinger said he wasn't sentimental, but he said I wept over that note. Then he said I began to think, Lord, is there anyone else that you have used in my life that I've not thought? And he said, I thought about the old bishop. He said, who meant so much to me in the beginning of my ministry, so I decided to write the old bishop a letter. He said, now the bishop had recently lost his life through death and was now in his retirement years. So I wrote him a note of thanking him of the investment that he made in his life, and he said, again, I got a letter back, and the letter went like this. Dear Will, your letter was so beautiful, so real, as I sat in my study reading it, 
Tears fell from my eyes, tears of gratitude. Then before I realized what I was doing, I arose from my chair and called her name to show it to her, forgetting for a moment she was gone. You will never know how much your letter has warmed my spirit. I have been walking about it in the glow of it all day long. I'm wondering, am I speaking to some people here today? When you get home, you need to get a notepad out, and you need to begin to write some thank you notes to people who have made a difference in your life. Have you ever been a school teacher or a Sunday school teacher or a pastor? Thanking them, these are special things. You can thank God for those who have helped you along life's journey. And then the final and third thing is, includes the sorrowful and sinful things. This is now where it really gets hard. But you say, preacher, you don't know the problems that I got. And I want to tell you, you don't know the problems that I got, amen. But Finn, the Apostle Paul who penned this note, are you listening to me? He penned it from prison, writing to the Ephesians, where he had spent three years. Instead of gratitude, they had sent him out of town in a riot. Falsely accused. Now he's in prison, lonely. He is forsaken outwardly. He is in bad health. And he is the one who is sitting here, instead of licking his wounds, he is saying, Give God thanks for all things. What does this mean in sorrow? Is it good? Not by itself. Does it mean that sin is good? Absolutely not. Sin is bad. But a sin is part of all things. How could you say give thanks for all things? Well, in Ephesians 1.8 says this, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Did you realize that your understanding has eyes? that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance of the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us where that believe, according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Now watch this. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and every knee that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come, hath he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all things. Friends, that's a good reason. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things lung together. B makes biscuits sometimes. And I watch her make biscuits and she'll take it. And by the way, she'll, she'll have flour, she'll have salt, she'll have lard, and she'll have buttermilk. You ever tried to eat flour by itself? Well, you gum up in your mouth and spit it out and say, my gracious, how can anybody beat this? Did you ever try to eat just plain lard? Boy, that's terrible. And then eat a tablespoon of salt. But you know what? She takes that. She takes the flour and the salt and the buttermilk and the lard and put it all together and stir that up. 
and then roll it out and cut those cathead biscuits out, put it in the oven about 375 for 20 to 25 minutes. They come out golden brown. You cut that open, put a slab of butter on that, get you some honey, and your brains will beat, and your tongue will beat your brains out. Amen. None of that is good by itself, but listen to me. When it's all put together, lumped together, and it comes to its final asset, it's good. I can't explain it through the hurt and the trials and the death and the unexpected situations and the broken heart because He's God over all, in all, and rules above all. God will bring it together one day and we will look down and praise His holy name because it all has worked together for good. Don't understand it now, but I'm to praise Him in all things. Did you realize there's not a blade of grass that moves unless it's by His permission? I've talked to you about the season of it, the scope of it. A focus a little bit more is the secret of it. Now, how are you going to do it? You might agree on me intellectually, but you say, Brother Larry, it's really not in me. And I want to tell you something. When a loved one dies or a tragedy is happening, it's not in me. When a member of your family has been eaten up by malady and death is slowly coming and you see them just withering away, how can you give thanks for all things when they're going through that? The secret of that, and we just read it, if you're listening to me, is being filled by the Spirit of God. I'm to give thanks in the Spirit as He fills me. And if He's not filling me, I'm not going to be thankful. The Spirit needs to fill me. And listen to this. You are to give thanks in the Spirit. Listen to these. To the Father through the Son. The Spirit in verse 18 and verses 20 is to the Father and in the Son. Verse 18 says, Be filled with the Spirit is to be thankful because the Holy Spirit opens our mind and our eyes of understanding. Jesus said that when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide us into all things. He will literally open our understanding and He'll make the things of Jesus real to us and the simple faith we will respond by praising His name. Until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes or understanding, we will remain closed. But He fills us. And when you're filled with the Spirit, my friends, you will begin to see the incredible things that God is doing. Did you know that the word think and thankfulness are closely related? The person who is not thankful is not thinking, and the person who is not grateful has not seen the grace of God. To be Holy Spirit-filled is to be thankful. Have you ever thought of that? To be Holy Spirit-filled is to be thankful. If you're not giving thanks for all things, you're not Spirit-filled. If you are grumbling, you are not Spirit-filled. If you're not being grateful, you are not Spirit-filled. Because when the Holy Spirit comes and opens our eyes of understanding, we can give thanks to the God in all things. It says, to the Father. Why to the Father? Because every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. It comes down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Dear friends, listen to me. God is good. I want to say it again. God is 
good. Don't you ever let the devil deceive you and thinking that God is not good. Here's our question in the midst of a tragedy. Where is God in all of this? Can I give you a little secret? He's where He's always been, on His throne. He hasn't moved. He has not lost the focus upon you. And because God is in control and God is over all, God will somehow, some way, make it all work to good. We may not sit in this lifetime, but because He's God, you can be assured it will work for good. The secret is, when we pray to the Father, is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I remember praying public prayer in Carteret County, and I was praying before the commissioners and everything. It was a very special day, and had one of the men come up to me and said, you know, you, you need to make sure you're, you're correct here. And he says, you don't need, we got Jews that are here, we got others, you don't need to be praying in the name of Jesus. And my other friend whispered in my ear, he said, Brother Larry, remember, it's always in the name of Jesus. It didn't make any difference. The one who loved me, the one who redeemed me, the one who is my Father, the one who I will stand before, listen, whether it's a crowd or not, it's in His name to His praise. Don't be ashamed of the name of Jesus. By the way, did you know what the name of Jesus stands for? I get a little excited. I'm, I think I've got Pentecostal in me somewhere. Did you know it stands for authority? I, when I pray, I pray in the name which is in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you pray to the Father, it's through the authority of Jesus. That's Romans 8, 28 in motion. It doesn't mean that the bad is good, but because all things are under the Son and because He has the authority, He is working for good. Providentially, God is in control. Let me close with two illustrations. A farmer had piled up big brush pile, clearing off of the field, and he noticed some birds had built a nest in their brush pile, and so he, he destroys their nest. The birds come back and build a nest the second time. He destroys the nest. The birds are frustrated now, and now they fly away. But later that day, if they had flown over that brush pile, they will see that the pile was on fire, and the, father in his, and the farmer in his wisdom was providing for their safety by destroying their nest so they would not be burnt alive. Sometimes you don't see it, and God answers, No, I don't want you to have that house. No, girls, listen. He doesn't want you to have that boy's got the new sports car. No, he doesn't want you to marry that girl that is a knockout. God knows providentially what he's doing. And listen to me. I'm going to just do some old country vernacular. She or he might be a brush pile. God is saving you from a life of heartache. A guy had wrecked on a desert isle. And he prayed, oh God, save me. He had began to build him a grass hut and he had a few possessions of life and he was there and he would pray every day, God save me, God send a boat by. One day he was out in the ocean gathering food and he turned and looked back at the shore and his, gas, and his grass hut was on fire. He hurriedly gets back to the shore and 
his hut, hut, which is his home, and every earthly possession he could gather was burned up in the fire. He was depressed. Oh, God, how could you have let me down? How could you have let everything burn up? Lord, why did you do this? Later that day, a ship came by and rescued him. And they said, if we hadn't seen the smoke, we wouldn't have come to the island. What you think is a catastrophe right now in your life may be the very thing God is using to save your life. My second church, I had a man. He said, my spiritual gift is to be your thorn in the flesh. And he meant it. This wasn't for a year. This wasn't for two years. It went on for 12 years. I even, listen, during that time I said, God, kill him, and if you need some help, we out fishing, I'll push him overboard for you. Amen. <laughs> After the 12 years, and I went into missions, I went to another church, then in missions, I held a revival there. Guess who comes down the aisle? As old Frank. Guess who walks up the aisle to meet Frank? It's Brother Larry. We stand in the middle of the aisle like two little boys, embracing, literally embracing. Both of us are crying so hard we cannot talk. Finally, we get our composure and ask for forgiveness because my heart was worse than Frank's. Because what I thought in my mind was guilty of murder. What I thought in my mind was wrong about this man. He and I had the same goals in mind. It was how to get there. And you know something? God was using that man in my life as heavenly sandpaper. And I am the man I am today. I am the leader I am today. I am the ministrator I am today because of that man whom I hated in my life. I thought, God, why have you put him here? Can't you get rid of him? Let him have a heart attack. Didn't bother God one bit. He just kept putting the pressure on because God in His providence knew I needed Frank's sides. Listen to this. When Frank's wife was dying, she hated the ground I walked on. When his wife was dying, she says, Frank, call Larry Henderson. I want him to preach my funeral because I know he'll tell the truth. When Frank was dying with cancer, Frank calls me up and he says, Brother Larry, if you can, I'm dying with cancer, and if you can find any good thing to say about me, would you have a part in my funeral, preach my funeral? I said, Brother Frank, it's all been forgiven. It will be my joy. And honestly, in the funeral, I said this. Folks, the very thing in the man I thought was going to destroy me was the very man and the thing God used to make me. Today, listen to this. I thank God for Frank's eyes. What are you going through right now? God, because He's God, and God, because He knows the future, and because you belong to God, God knows exactly what He's doing in your life. Four years ago, I came down with severe Crohn's disease and came within days of dying. I never blamed God. I never asked Him why. 
I just simply say, God, I'm a part of the human race. Why not me? Little did I know, and I said, somewhere in all of these sufferings, you are going to show me. A year later, on a missions trip, being myself or asked to go visit a lady who had breast cancer for the second time, was ready to give up. And the Holy Spirit said, now is the reason why I had you where you're at so you can minister to her. Never could on that level because there's one thing about knowing you can die and it's another thing knowing you are dying. And we prayed with her and the next night we went to prayer meeting and I have never in my life heard a woman pray like that woman. As we pray, there are some of you here today as we talk about the season of in and out of season. We've talked about the scope of it. And we've said this, to give thanks for all things. Give thanks for the water you're drinking. Give thanks for the dirty dishes. And then we've talked about the secret of it. You're not here in your life and doing what you're doing by yourself. Some of you need to go home today and write a note to this pastor. Some of you need to go home and write a note to a school teacher. Some of you need to go home and write a note to a former employer. Whomever the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about, you need to be obedient. And because, let me tell you something, Wednesday morning I got up and I had a schedule and responsibility that day. Titles are pretty, Pastor. And responsibility is not. And this is one of those days I looked to be and said, if I live through this day, I can handle any day of my life from here out. We got a, that day a, a card in the mail from Ann White. You don't know her. I'll give her name. And in the card, it was just beginning to thank Larry B. I had no idea. I was in church across from her. I, and she wrote all of these things in the Holy Spirit minister to my heart through that sister knowing on a day that I felt like I was going to die under the pressure of everything. And God used a dear sister whom is suffering with cancer herself sent me a little note and little did she know that note picked me up and I had one of the most beautiful days I have ever had after that. You'll never know you will never know what that note encouragement will do. Listening to this and we'll pray. You may save that person's life. Father in heaven, thank you for this.